Welcome to the Blood Bank Association of New York State podcast. BBA NYS has been dedicated to improving transfusion medicine in New York State since 1951. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of BBA NYS. The speakers for this podcast report no conflicts of interest for this episode. Hello, this is Dr. Yvette Tanheko. I'm the medical director of the Cellular Therapy Laboratory and assistant director of transfusion medicine at Columbia University Irving Medical Center, New York Presbyterian Hospital. I'm also the chair of the Education Committee of Blood Bank Association of New York State. In this podcast, I will be talking about sickle cell disease basics, specifically what it is, what it does to those who have it, and how it is treated. Sickle cell disease is a type of beta hemoglobinopathy that's characterized by a single gene defect where the nucleic acid base substitution from A to T in the first exon of the beta globin gene changes the amino acid from glutamic acid to valine. This leads to the generation of hemoglobin S. Hemoglobin S tetramers polymerize under deoxygenated conditions. When hemoglobin polymerizes, it causes the affected red blood cells to become sickle-shaped and to lose their deformability. These sickle cells then lead to hemolysis, endothelial injury, inflammation, and blood vessel occlusion, which then leads to ischemia. Patients experience pain crisis, fatigue, jaundice, difficulty breathing, infections, and end organ damage. There are different genotypes, namely SS, which is known as sickle cell anemia, SC, S-beta plus thal, S-beta zero thal, SD, and SE. The clinical manifestations of sickle cell disease are driven by two major pathophysiological processes, namely vaso-occlusion with ischemia reperfusion injury and hemolytic anemia. Vaso-occlusive crisis is thought to occur because of the binding of sickle red blood cells and white blood cells to the endothelium, which causes vascular obstruction and tissue ischemia. Inflammation is often a trigger for the vascular obstruction, but stress, increased viscosity, decreased blood flow, hemolysis, or a combination of other factors could also trigger a sickle crisis. After blood flow is restored, more tissue injury can occur because of reperfusion. The cycles of ischemia and reperfusion cause, cause oxidant stress, with activation of vascular oxidases and inflammatory molecules, as well as subsequent increased expression of endothelial cell adhesion molecules, increased synthesis of inflammatory cytokines, and leukocytosis. Sickle cell disease affects about 2.28 per 1,000 individuals around the world and about 100,000 people in the United States. It affects people of African-American, Hispanic, Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, South Asian, and Caribbean ethnicities. The advances in supportive care for patients with sickle cell disease has allowed patients to live longer. Patients with a hemoglobin SS genotype now live to be a median age of 42 to 48 years, while patients with hemoglobin SC live to a median age of about 60 to 68 years. 
While the life expectancy is not comparable to patients without sickle cell disease, this is a great improvement. The current treatment strategies for sickle cell disease can be divided into three different categories. The first is disease-modifying drug therapy. The second is blood transfusion. And the third is hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. Hydroxyurea is a myelosuppressive agent that's used to treat certain types of cancer that incidentally causes an increase in hemoglobin F production. Hemoglobin F is a major genetic modulator of the hematologic and clinical features of sickle cell disease. Patients with hereditary persistence of fetal hemoglobin who have approximately 30% hemoglobin F are essentially free of disease manifestations. Hemoglobin tetramers that contain the fetal hemoglobin are excluded from the sickle hemoglobin polymer. Patients with sickle cell disease with increased hemoglobin F have a milder clinical course and extended survival. Studies have shown that hydroxyurea decreases the frequency of vasoclusive crises, acute chest syndrome, hospitalization rates, red blood cell transfusion requirements, and stroke risk. Common side effects of hydroxyurea include decreased white blood cell counts, skin hyperpigmentation, nail discoloration, birth defects, decreased sperm counts, nausea, and vomiting. Alglutamine is another disease-modifying drug therapy that's thought to help patients with sickle cell disease by reducing the NAD redox potential and possibly decreasing cell adhesion. Studies have shown that it decreases the frequency of vasoclusive crises, the frequency of acute chest syndrome, and hospitalization. Common side effects include constipation, nausea, headaches, and abdominal pain. Chrysalizumab is an anti-P-selectin inhibitor that decreases the adhesion of white blood cells and red blood cells to the endothelium. It's been found in studies to decrease the frequency of vasoclusive crises. The common side effects include nausea and joint pains. Voxelator decreases hemoglobin S polymerization by increasing hemoglobin oxygen affinity. Clinically, it increases the patient's hemoglobin level. The common side effects of this drug include headache, diarrhea, and nausea. Blood transfusions is another strategy that's used to treat patients with sickle cell disease, and it is the main treatment for patients with sickle cell disease. It can either be simple transfusions or exchange transfusions, and it can be indicated either acutely or chronically depending on the patient's clinical presentation and feasibility. Some commonly accepted indications for transfusion are acute ischemic stroke, primary and secondary stroke prevention, acute chest syndrome, multi-organ failure, and hepatic sequestration. Packed red blood cell transfusion can improve oxygen delivery to the tissues and suppress endogenous red blood cell generation, which ultimately leads to reduced episodes of vasoclusive crises, hemolysis, and blood viscosity. Simple transfusions are allogeneic red blood cell transfused without autologous red blood cell removal. One or more units of red blood cells may be transfused. In children, the typical dose is 10 to 20 milliliters per kilogram. Exchange transfusions involve the removal of the patient's own red blood cells and replacing it with alginate red blood cells. Exchange transfusions can be manual or automated. 
Automated red blood cell exchange procedures involve using an apheresis instrument. One to two total red blood cell volumes are typically exchanged depending on the patient's starting hemoglobin S level and the target hemoglobin S level. This procedure may be performed once or on a recurring basis scheduled every four to six weeks. Sometimes a modified red blood cell exchange procedure called isovolemic hemodilution can be performed to enhance the removal of patient rather than donor red blood cells. Isovolemic hemodilution increases the time interval between exchange procedures because it causes a greater reduction of hemoglobin S. Red blood cell exchange procedures are preferred over simple transfusions because they cause immediate and sustained reduction in complications of sickle cell disease. The patient remains euvolemic and also it does not cause iron overload or an increase in blood viscosity. Patients with sickle cell disease are at a really high risk for developing red blood cell immunization because of the repeated transfusions that they require. Allogeneic red blood cells are matched for Rh antigens, namely D, big C, little c, big E, and little e, as well as Kel antigens, at a minimum, in addition to being negative for current or historical alloantibodies and hemoglobin S. The high rate of alloimmunization is caused by a variety of things, but one major reason is a discordance between blood donor antigens on donor and recipient red blood cells. Most donors of allogeneic red blood cells are Caucasian, while most patients with sickle cell disease are African Americans, who have variant RHD and RHC genes. Patients with sickle cell disease should have an extended antigen genotype or phenotype that includes not only RH and Kel antigens, but also KID, Duffy, Lewis, and MNS system antigens in order to better manage their alloimmunization risk. A study by Dr. Chu and others in 2016 reported that among patients who received ABO and D-matched red blood cells, 27 to 75% developed alloantibodies. Among patients who received limited matching with CE and KEL antigens, 5 to 14% developed alloantibodies. And among those who received extended matched red blood cells, 0 to 7% developed alloantibodies. So it seems that the more antigens are matched, the lower the red blood cell alloimmunization risk. So three strategies may be employed to prevent alloimmunization. The first is to provide limited or extended matched red blood cells. The second is to recruit dedicated donors to limit donor exposure for a given patient. And the third is to provide red blood cells from African-American donors who are more likely to have similar KID, Duffy, or S antigen status. All these strategies have been employed with variable success rates. The only cure for sickle cell disease currently is allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. Stem cells are very immature cells in a person's bone marrow that are capable of self-renewal and differentiation into all of the blood cell lineages. Stem cells are identified by the presence of the CD34 antigen on their cell surface. They live in the bone marrow stroma, which contains other types of cells, such as endothelial cells, fibroblasts, macrophages, and preadipocytes. The bone marrow stroma provides a physical support or attachment for the stem cells and progenitor cells. 
Stem cells are harvested from the bone marrow of a donor without sickle cell disease who happens to typically be a sibling. These stem cells are then transplanted into the recipient with sickle cell disease after they get conditioning chemotherapy. The overall survival of patients receiving an alginic hematopoietic stem cell transplant is greater than 90%, and event-free survival rates vary between 70 and 80%. Because not everyone has a related sibling donor, alternative donor transplant options are being investigated, such as matched unrelated donors, related haploidentical donors, and unrelated umbilical cord blood donors. These alternative donor transplant options, however, result in lower overall survival and event-free survival rates. This concludes my podcast on sickle cell disease basics. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you join us for future BBA NYS podcasts and events. Future events can be found on our website, www.bbanys.org. Thank you.